Five lessons SEO experts can take from product management with Aliyah Murzakmet. The InSearch SEO podcast is brought to you by SimilarWeb, helping you build better SEO strategies with digital intelligence, insights, and data. Hey, it's David. What can SEOs learn from product management? That's what we're discussing today with a lady who's a self-proclaimed foodie and passionate sports lover. She's known for her organizational skills, her problem-solving skills, and her ability to leverage data-driven insights for strategic decisions. She's the head of product at Pre-Render. I want to welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Aliyah Mirzakhmed. Hi, this is me, Aliyah. Hey, Aliyah. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, you can find Aliyah over at prerender.io. So, Aliyah, today you are sharing five lessons SEO experts can take from product management. But you didn't want to share the first lesson. You wanted me to guess it. Okay, so... Yeah, I wanted you to guess. <laughs> okay, so let's let's see if I can get anywhere near here. So you've given me the, 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 the next four, two to five. So I will guess the first one as being understand who your users are? Um, no, I will give <laughs> you a hint. So there are two words we, as a product managers, use a lot. And sometimes people, they don't like it, honestly. And um, I was wondering if you can guess which are those two words are. <laughs> so what do product managers not like? <laughs> they don't like being distract- distracted. <laughs> they don't like um, people coming up to them and asking for reactive things. They, 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 they like to, uh, I guess, have, have sprints and um, focus on one thing for a few weeks in the row. No, no, no. Uh, no those are very two simple things. So we um, do say a lot why and no to other people's ideas. So that's why a lot of people, they don't like interacting with product managers a lot because we start questioning like why, why, why you want to do build this product or idea, what problems you solve and et cetera. So you're saying, you're saying that SEOs ask product managers why or is it product managers that ask SEOs why? Product managers ask other people who bring up the ideas like why do you want to implement this? Got you. Okay. So if you're wanting to change something from an SEO perspective to hopefully improve rankings, then you better be able to justify it to your product manager. Yes. Yes. So basically anything you do, no matter you're SEO expert or any other professional field, start with why. Question what you're doing right now, why you're doing, what outcome you will bring, or your future ideas and the future projects, just start with why, why this is important. This actually eliminates a lot of time and investment. So you can focus on the things what matter. So that's why with the lesson number one, I would recommend starting with why and using five whys framework. I was going to ask you about that because you don't, of course, just ask why the one time. You keep on drilling down to make sure. Yeah, you ask it multiple times. Yeah, because it seems actually very simple. But once you start doing it, uh, you will learn a lot. It will be challenging in the beginning. But once you get started and you will make a habit of it, then it will be much easier. Why? 
<laughs> so why? <laughs> I, I I won't keep on doing that, but uh, I, I understand exactly what you mean there. Okay, let, let's move on to element two, which is analyze user behavior in your product. Yeah. So basically, in terms of the data, there is a funnel that starts from the acquisition part when customer finds a product, then it is activation, then it is uh, retention, revenue, and etc. In that case, a lot of SEO experts, they are basically done analyzing data once the user hits sign up, which is Okay, but it makes more sense to analyze the user behavior inside of the product more deeply. Why? <laughs> so, so you will learn uh, about your customers more. You will learn what they do, why they're inside of the product, what they use the most, and the list. If there is a churn, where? So those situa- uh, those kind of data helps you to create more user-centric content in the future. Let's say you released some new functionality in your product, your e-commerce, or you're building an app, and you have a very low engagement with that feature. So once you know the data, you can generate the content more exactly to tell users or customers more about this functionality, which can also increase the engagement within your product. So basically, more you know your customer, more you know what they do, it will have a positive effect in your content generation process. So how do you know what's causing the low engagement? Because it could be something as simple as not having easy access to that particular aspect of the, the platform, but it could be the user thinking that it's not relevant for them. So, so how do you establish that? So there is many hypotheses under that. When you have a high engagement, it doesn't mean everything is great. If you have a low engagement, it doesn't mean it's everything bad. So based on that, this is actually lesson number four. <laughs> So if we skip lesson number three, so based on the data, you have more hypotheses on which keywords use more or less to promote certain functionality. It also depends on your goal and your why. So that should test your hypothesis. Is that the, the lesson of you're talking course, about there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, how do you establish what is your hypothesis or hypotheses and uh, what hypotheses you should be testing? That, that's actually a great question. It also depends on the situation and your goal. Let's say your goal is to improve website traffic with certain amount of users, like target persona A. And you start analyzing the product data. You see what actions those target users are doing inside of your product. Are you happy with it? Is this the good numbers? And after that, if you're not happy with it, you can generate different type of content as a hypothesis to see, hey, if this increased the engagement, are they going to the place that I want them to go? So this is how data can really impact your user-centric content generation. But there's so much you can test and you don't want to be testing everything all the time. Yeah, there's so much you can test, but you don't have to test just to test it. Yeah, so how do you establish the, the, the most relevant thing to be testing? I don't have a right answer for this. 
So this is all depend what kind of priorities you have at this moment. Yeah, I guess that um, brings us on to the next lesson, which is prioritize effectively. Yes, because once you started with why and you already filtered out the things you don't need to, next you start analyzing your user's data so you know who they are, what they do, which part of the product they are mostly in or less in. You have more clarity on what's things on the table. What is the things I should focus on? And then when it comes to prioritizing, it's not just a list of tasks. It's something you can deliver within shortest amount of time. Let's say on Mondays, you can set a goal, one or two that you can deliver with yourself or with your team. And this is will be one thing that matters that you can deliver on Friday and see the outcome of it right away. So this is the prioritization is about. So do you tend to recommend then having something short-term, medium-term and long-term that you're working on all the time? Yeah. So basically something that it is measurable. So, and it has key items that you delivered. It's like something similar to objectives and key results, but it is prioritized. It is measurable and it has a right outcome. And how do you measure that you hit the out- outcome? I mean, I guess product managers are sometimes better than SEOs at, at, at projecting the ROI of a particular set of activities. Uh, is, is that how you should seek to measure how you're performing? And uh, Our measurements are different and depends on the goals. For example, if our goal was to improve let's say net promoter score, this is how happy the customer is. And if we set a goal on Monday, hey, let's launch this functionality and let's see on Friday how this affects net promoter score, then this is could be a quick prioritized goal that we can tackle within a one week. Could be similar for SEO experts. Let's say there is a two ways of test your content on the same page let's say, pricing page, because the pricing page is the most engaged page in SaaS industry. So you have two different content-generated pages that you can test your words, keywords, and everything. And let's say you started on Monday, you selected your audience, and on Friday, you can see already the results, which page is getting higher engagement and higher conversion rate. And is net promoter score a metric that SEOs should be more aware of? Well, it could be helpful. It could be helpful to see how happy the customer is. But as SEO expert, you might not affect it directly because there should be changes within the product itself. And lesson number five is embrace flexibility, learning and iteration. Yeah, so basically, as far as I know, I've met a lot of great SEO experts. Uh, They're great in the planning. Sometimes when we talk about planning, they already have a plan for full year what they're going to do, which is good, but it also has disadvantages in the sense that you're stick to a plan and you're not flexible. But in this world today, especially with Google releasing new updates, with ChatGPT, we need to be flexible. And once you analyze your product data, the user behavior more, 
you start testing your hypothesis, you prioritize your tasks, it makes sense to be flexible and learn, iterate from it. It doesn't mean that you're going to do it just once. You're going to do it more often and often and see how this affects your work effectiveness. How do you know when to be flexible and when to stick to the task at hand? <laughs> to be honest, in my case, never. <laughs> You're never flexible. <laughs> Just for yeah. Do you know the application Instagram, the social media app? Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Of course you are. So in 2013, do you remember what the app had? It was mostly photos, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just photos and it's uh, ability to follow and to comment and that's it. And then uh, the product grows. So now uh, they can upload videos, they can upload stories, they can even pay for marketing ads. Also, you can do, I think, threads and everything. So the product grows. So there is time to be flexible because the product grows everything is different like every new functionality released changes every single users every day because this is the app that users mostly use every day sometimes i would say more than once a day in that case like if you're having a product that has B2C connection, so this consumer product, which users use mostly every day. And if there is some change, it affects the user's daily life, then you have to be super flexible and learn and iterate much faster than you're in B2B. So my instinct is that a lot of SEOs are probably doing some of these things, but doing them in a very unregimented manner. They're, they're not really documenting what they're doing. They're not doing things in a formal process. Is that reasonable feedback? Well, I've got uh, experience working with different SEO experts, both in a startup and in a corporate. And I noticed that in a corporate, a lot of SEO teams have a plan, the proper plan and a budget for one year, and they're not happy to make changes. So that's why I was bringing up being a flexibility and learning and iterating will really help in case if you want to adapt to the customer experience to see what they're experiencing of the product. If you release some change, how did it affect their working life or everyday personal life. So that's why it's important to be flexible and to change the plans whenever is needed. Yeah, I, I guess the real challenge is actually knowing when to change and, and, and when to remain the same. And I would have thought that um, if you're establishing goals and objectives and um, broad strategy with the C-level suites, then you want to retain those goals roughly the same. But the path that you take in order to achieve that can be a bit more flexible. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So there should be always the proper plan, the bigger goal and objective, but there will be some changes. Let's say Google releases something new and now you have to update all your sitemaps or something like that. This is the, the thing you didn't plan, but this was just an example. So basically 
if this kind of situations happen, you have to be flexible to tackle them and stop on the things you're working right now. And yes, priorities also play a crucial role here because some updates might not be as important. So you still need to focus on the things you planned. Let's finish off with the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? Well, since I am in um, JavaScript SEO industry, I would say update your sitemaps as much as possible because Google loves sitemaps and this can really improve your JavaScript SEO rankings. <laughs> so. Superb. Very specific advice. Um... Yeah, it's a one-click advice. So it's very easy to do it inside of Google Search Console or inside of ProRender.io. You just upload it and you update it. That's it. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Aliyah Merzakmit over at prerender.io. Aliyah, thanks so much for being on the InSearch SEO podcast. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Similar Web platform over at similarweb.com.